My name is Matthew McDill, and my family and I, we've been uh, here at Perkinsville for about a year now, almost a year in uh, Easter. And my wife and some of my kids are here. I have nine kids. Can you all wave your hand? That's not very good. A little higher. Um, so for the last 25 years or so, I've been uh, in pastoral ministry. And at the beginning of 2019, I took a new job as executive director for North Carolinians for Home Education. And when I stopped being a pastor and then uh, we were like, well, I guess we have to go to church somewhere. And this has been our home. And I can't tell you how uh, wonderful it's been to be here. It's just been so encouraging to us. And we appreciate that for, from our family. And so we do uh, homeschool our kids. And before we get started, I just wanted to say that if you... Uh, homeschool and you're not aware of North Carolinians for Home Education, our mission is to help parents homeschool with confidence and joy. And so uh, you might want to get uh, familiar with North Carolinians for Home Education and right now that's just my focus trying to help parents do that. And if anybody's ever thought about it and just interested in knowing more about home education, I'd be glad to talk to you. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which I hope is a super familiar verse to us. It's supposed to be. And we're going to talk about discipleship at home. But first we're going to pray. And as you know, and as we've already been praying this morning, God is ready to speak to us. Does everybody believe that? He's given us his word. But he's also given us his Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, he explains that the Holy Spirit is given so that we are able to understand his word. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray, and I want you to pray also while I'm praying, and I want you to ask God to speak to you. Because this is really between each one of us and the Lord. And that's your job to open up your heart right now and pray that he'll do that. And of course, we know he wants to answer that prayer. And he will. So... So let's just pray and, and ask God to do that this morning. Father, we humble ourselves before you. Because we know how much we need you. Thank you for helping us to see how <clears throat> small and weak we are. Lord, how dependent on you we are. We ask you to speak to us this morning. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, who's our teacher and helper. And we open our hearts to you and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us this morning. Encourage us, draw us close, and help us to be conformed to your image. We thank you that you can do that, that you desire to do that, and that you will as we call upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nathaniel, can you go find me a bottle of water? I'm going to need that, I can tell. That's what kids are for. 
send them off to do stuff. <laughs> okay, so I want to start off with this question. What do you want for your children? What do you want for your children? Now, I'd say the majority of us in here have children or grandchildren. I could ask you, what would you like for your grandchildren? Uh, some of you may not have children yet and think you might have children. What would you like for your future children? And of course, probably we would say, thanks. We would say normal things like we'd like them to be healthy and happy. We'd like them to have a good education and a good job and a good family. Have purpose and meaning in life, right? I mean, hopefully, I mean, at the minimum, we don't want them to be criminals or something. We have some kinds of hope for them. But I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Because I think we believe and know <clears throat> that fullness and meaning in life and the only thing that really matters is to know Christ. And if that's our heart, if our desire is how, how will my children know Christ? How will they, how will they love God? That's the question I want to answer today. That's, I want us to talk about how parents and grandparents uh, and others are going to help our children love God. I was talking to one of my kids <clears throat> just a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me a story that I hadn't heard yet about how God had worked in her life. And she said she was, it was late at night and she was in her bed, but she couldn't sleep because she was so tore up about something. And it was a really difficult time in our family's life and she was going through a lot and she was very burdened and very discouraged. And in that time, she told me that she... called on the Lord. And what happened right then is that somehow as she called on the Lord, of course, a, a, a deep peace came over her. And she was able to go to sleep. And it was a huge turnaround for her. And it's such a big deal for me. Because what else do you want for your kids? You know? I thought I wasn't going to be able to tell that. Very well. What else do you want for your kids? Than for each of them to have an actual experience with Jesus Christ, calling upon him, receiving the presence and peace of God. And that was the beginning of an entirely new relationship with God for her. That's what I want for all my kids.
I think that's what you want. Let's read Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall, uh, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, this is supposed to be a very familiar teaching. This is one of those scriptures that God's people of the old covenant would say all the time. Every day, right? And we know this is very important because when the scribes asked Jesus what is the greatest commandment of all, this is what he quoted. Love the Lord your God with all. And I'll just tell you why, this, why I've picked this scripture even though it's something that's so familiar. And that's because I thought... I don't know for sure if I will get another chance to talk with you. So I was thinking, if this was my one chance to say something, this is what I picked. So it's important to me, and this has been an important message for, for my life. So as Mo Moses was preaching in Deuteronomy to the Israelites, reminding them of their covenant right before they were going to enter the promised land. He was reminding them what the covenant was, and he was reminding them how to keep it. And in the midst of this sermon, he tells them how to keep the covenant going, generation after generation. One of the things that he was really concerned about is that they would forget the covenant. And if we skip up a little bit in chapter 6. Oh, I'm sorry. If you go down, skip down a little bit, not up. To verse 12, it says, Then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And do you know what would happen in Israel over and over when they forgot about the Lord? Do you know how it happened? Not, not only did it happen in people's lifetime, but it would happen genera generationally. Over and over they would forget to tell the next generation. And the next generation. This is one of the most important ways that God has decided to maintain the covenant with his people. Is for one generation to pass the faith to the next generation. So I have one point, but we're going to break it up and talk about it in different ways. Here's the, the one point for today. God calls parents to teach their children to love him by example in the context of everyday life. 
That seems a simple, straightforward thing. Parent, God calls parents to teach their children to love him by example in the context of everyday life. And so what I want to do is I want to break this statement down into four sections. And we're going to look at each section, make sure we understand each part and how God is going to use us to pass on the faith. So let's look at the first one. God, God calls parents to teach their children. Now obviously that's in verse 7, right? If we look in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Now, that could be to the whole community, and I think in some ways it is that you're, we're all the whole communities to teach their children, but I think we also know from other verses in Scripture that he's talking to parents. Parents are to teach their children. It can't not mean that. At least It at least means that. We know in uh, he, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, Paul specifically calls out who? The fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now that's a whole sermon right there we could talk about. <laughs> Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's the father's job. That's the mother's job. Paul said about Timothy. How, how did Timothy come to know Jesus and the faith? By his mother and his grandmother. This is the job of the parents and the grandparents and the family. Now, it is the job of the church, isn't it? It is the job of pastors, Sunday school teachers, youth pastors. It's, it's the job of the community. I'm not trying to say it's not, but it is the job of the parents, isn't it? And there's something very special about the role of parents that no one else can fill. No one else has the same level of, of relationship, of spiritual authority and responsibility to provide and protect and guide. No one else can take that place. I was a youth pastor. It was fun uh, listening to Frankie preach last week because I remembered being that age and I was a youth pastor at that time. And uh, I've been up to the youth room on Wednesday nights and watched uh, Frankie preach his heart out. And I remember that. I remember desiring so much for the, the, the youth to get a heart for God and to know him. But you know what I felt like? I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. To be honest, I just felt like I wasn't really making a dent. I, and, 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 and they were in school. And I felt like I couldn't compete with the influence of the teachers and the peers and all the people. But you know what was worse is I, I felt a little bit alone because I didn't even feel like I was supporting what was happening at home. You know what I felt like? I felt like they had left it to me to disciple their kids. It wasn't working. Once or twice a week, there was no way. And I had like 80 kids in youth group or something. There's no way I was going to be able to disciple these kids. 
And I thought, this isn't my job. I mean, it is my job. But this isn't how, you know, this is what the parents, and at that point, I made a decision in my life that I wasn't going to be the youth pastor for the rest of my life. And it's not because that's not important. It's because I had a different strategy, and that was this. Man, just give me the parents. That's who I want to talk to. If I want to really touch the children's lives, that I want to reach the parents so that they can disciple their kids. And then we can have the supplemental and encouraging ministry of the church going along with that. So how many of you believe that the parents are responsible for discipling their children? I can't believe you fell for that. See, now, <laughs> now you've admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't really get out of it now, can you? <laughs> so if that's what, I mean, I think we all, I think you would, could have told me that before we started this. So here's the real question. Do you accept that responsibility from God? And answer that in your own heart and mind. Do you accept that responsibility? In verse 2 of Deuteronomy 6, it says that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son. So I'd like to bring grandparents into this. Your, your heart isn't just for your children, it's for your children's children, isn't it? You're not out of the game yet. You have an opportunity, responsibility. To continue to disciple your own children and to reach out to your grandchildren. Do you accept that responsibility? Really accept that responsibility. That's my job. That's my calling. Alright, let's go to the second part here. God calls parents to teach their children to love him. So we know who's supposed to teach. Now the question is, what are you supposed to teach? And we know it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's what, and then it says, it shall be in your heart, teaching, teach this diligently to your children. So this is the, this is the curriculum of discipleship, to love God. And I just want to point out a couple of important things here. One is that this is a relationship, isn't it? And we often make a distinction between religion and relationship because it's a real distinction. We're not talking about making your children churchgoers or uh, well-behaved. That's not our goal, is it? I mean, those are that's good, isn't it? We want them to go to church and behave, but that's not that doesn't really get you anywhere. In the end, the question is, do you love God? Not do you talk about God. Not even do you read the Bible and, and not cuss too much and go to church. and No, do you love God? That's a, that's a huge distinction that Jesus made over and over. I want to read from Matthew uh, chapter 15, verse 7 through 9.
I read this, by the way. Frankie was out of town or something and asked me to speak to the youth on Wednesday. And this is one of the verses I shared with them. Because one of my main points, one of my main encouragements to the youth was to be real. To be real. And listen to this verse right here. You hypocrites, Jesus says. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about tradition. We're not talking about what everybody else might say it means to follow God. We're not talking about talking the talk. You can sing the songs. You can do the stuff. The question is, where's your heart? That's what God wants. My best friend in high school was the pastor's kid of my church. And we grew up in church and youth group together. And I remember one time when we were in church and uh, we were... I think probably freshmen in high school. No, we were sophomores in high school. He went down to the front like he was getting saved or something. I was confused because he was already saved. <laughs> I was like, are you getting saved again? <clears throat> he went down and later I asked him about it. I said, what do you, you know, what's going on? And he said, I wasn't saved. Like, What? He said, and I knew it. But I'd already been baptized when I was little. And I was the pastor's kid. You know. <laughs> but he'd been doing church and youth group and Christian stuff. My sister did the same thing. We were talking about this in youth and they heard a testimony of uh, Caroline I bet we could have about 10 to 12 testimonies like that right now if we just went around the room. How many of you thought you were saved? How many of you were going to church? And then all of a sudden you realized that you'd never been under conviction. You'd never accepted the responsibility for your sin and your separation from God. You'd never understood the necessity of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sin. You'd never given him your heart and decided, I got to trust Jesus to save me. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks anymore. It doesn't matter that I was already baptized. It doesn't matter that I've been acting like I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter because I got to get saved. So don't raise church kids. Getting, getting, growing up in church is kind of dangerous sometimes because you, you get so saturated but you got to have the heart. And you have to teach your children to love God. That's the objective and that's the content that we're trying to teach. Is this what you're teaching your children? And that leads us to the next part. What is in your own heart? So here's the third point. God calls parents to teach their children to love him by example. So now we're focusing on this next phrase. By example. And going back to Deuteronomy 6, we're going to look at verse 5. 
sorry, verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I love this verse between. Sometimes we forget. Love the Lord your God with all and teach them diligently to your children. And he put that verse 6 in there. And these words shall be on your heart. You know, it's the old classic uh, principle we know that you can't give what you don't have. Right? This isn't something you can just talk about. This is something that you live for your children in front of them as an example so that they can see what it means to love God and follow Jesus. They can see it in your life. So what is in your heart is the question. In Philippians 4.9, Paul said, Whatever you learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, put it into practice. Can we say that? We can do all the talking. Just do what I say. Not necessarily what I do. But Paul said, whatever you heard from me and whatever you see in me. That's a bold claim, isn't it? Do what I do. Do what I do. Follow my example. A couple years ago, I caught my youngest son, Andrew, so he was probably four at the time, pretending to be daddy. And so, I was unobserved in the door watching, and Andrew was pretending to be daddy. And my heart was warmed when he began to pray and have a quiet time and read his Bible. I was like, all right. And then he said to his brother Isaac, Isaac, you pretend to be me and come talk to me. And so this is really what happens at our house. I get up in the morning and spend time with the Lord and Andrew is one of the first people up and he always comes to visit me. And he knows that in the morning I'm drinking some coffee and I'm usually eating a snack or a toast or some peanuts or something. I'm, I'm eating something and he comes up and he wants part. He's like, can I have some, some nuts or something? And so this was the scenario. Andrew said, now you pretend to be me and you come ask me for a snack. So they had this whole thing set out. So he's praying diligently. Then Isaac comes up, who's being Andrew, and says, hey, can I have some nuts? And he goes, go away! <laughs> I was like, oh. at first I was so proud <laughs> that my son was imitating my spiritual life. <laughs> and I thought, is that what I do? <laughs> do I tell him, go away? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but I just thought, okay. How many times have you seen your children doing exactly what you're doing, saying what you're saying, using the words you use, you know? And I'm going, what am I doing? <laughs> what are they seeing, you know? But you know what I want them to see? I want them to see me. First thing every morning is I'm meeting God and reading his word and, and prayer. They know that. They know where I am. They know what I'm doing. And I want them, to, I want to be able to say and see what I do and do it. What kind of relationship do you want your children to have with God? Could you imagine that for a minute? 
you know the shoe's going to drop here, don't you? What kind of relationship do you want your children to have with God? Is that the kind of relationship that you have with God? You know, there's not a thing in my life that has caused me to more desperately seek God than being a parent and realizing that I want them to have a relationship with God that I don't have. <laughs> and that's what I need first. All right, let's do the last one here. <clears throat> God calls parents to teach their children to love him by example in the context of daily life. Actually, I have one more thing I want to say about the last one. To reemphasize, you can't give what you don't have. Uh, teaching your children is not easy. It really requires a lot of us. And when I'm living in pride and selfishness, that's not really one of the things I want to do. So I really have to have a transformed heart and a transformed life to be able to execute that job. Discipling my children has to be an overflow of the reality of my heart for God and my relationship with God. That's why I want us to focus on our own walk as the critical key to being able to teach our children. It's really a dependence question. All right, let's talk about the context of daily life. And how do we see that? Of course, we see that in verse, uh, verses 7 through 9 of chapter 6. We'll visit that again here. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates now I think we know that historically God's people took this a little too literally and were binding things on their hands and writing things and I guess there's nothing wrong with that I mean whatever we can do <laughs> But what was the point? The point was, don't forget this. And the point was, this isn't a thing you do on Sabbath at synagogue. Or at church on Sunday. This is a thing you do every day. This is a thing. It wasn't like only when you're sitting down and only when you're walking by the way. Only when you're lying down and only, you know, you can't do it while you're sitting. The whole point is everywhere in between. From morning to evening, talking about loving God, teaching and living loving God is supposed to be a part of your normal life. Your marriage is to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Your family, your parenting, your home, your work is to be built on the foundation day in and day out. Um, I want to read one more scripture. This is from Esther 2.11. Esther 2.11. Uh, everybody remembers Mordecai from Esther 
who was the uncle slash adopted father of Esther. And as you know, Esther became a princess and a queen. We're not going to go into the whole story because it's not necessary, but when, when Esther was taken into the palace, Mordecai did not have the kind of day in and day out influence and in, uh, walking with her that he had before. And this, this verse really struck me as a father. And one of the reasons is because I feel like I have not done this faithfully as a dad. But it says, in verse 10. Nope. Where am I? 11. Esther 2.11. And every day, Mordecai walked in front of the courts, the court of the harem, to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Every day, he wanted to know how she was and what was happening to her. Do I know the condition of the hearts of my children? That's a hard question to ask myself. Do I know the condition of the hearts of my children? You know what that means? We're talking together. We're spending time together. Having one-on-one -on -one time. Asking, how are you? What are you thinking? What are you dealing with? What's going on in your life? How can I help you? What do you need to talk about? And I just want to tell you that one of the greatest weaknesses and griefs that I have seen is that parents do not have that kind of relationship with their children. They're not having those conversations. They're not asking those questions. It's not a day in, day out. Real relationship. Well, of course we can talk about family worship. You gather as a family and read scripture together, pray, maybe sing. You can talk about car rides and dinner conversation, talk about the Lord. What, what's going on in your home? Because it's been amazing to me how many people, no, I, don't, I don't find any parents who are saying to me, oh, I don't really think it's my responsibility to disciple my kids. That's not where the argument is. Nobody's arguing about that. Nobody's saying, well, I don't know. That's not really my job. Is this some kind of Sunday school teacher job? The parent's not going to say that to me. So most people I meet, just like you, are going to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's my job. But I'm telling you, just my own experience is, the vast majority of stories of what's happening in the home doesn't reflect that confession. Doesn't reflect that confession. That's not what's happening in the home. And you talk about it. You come here. Oh yeah, we pray for our children, hope our children. I mean, and it's not happening in the home.
want us to end with the scripture that Matt already read from Psalm 57 too. It's one of my favorite texts recently that I've memorized. I cry out to God, to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. And I hope, like me, that you feel inadequate and overwhelmed. <laughs> That's because I, I don't I don't think you're really facing the task if you don't. If you don't feel inadequate and overwhelmed, like, oh man. I keep saying one more scripture, don't I? Well, here's one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. If you haven't memorized that verse... <laughs> I mean, there, it, every, all, 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 everything you need. You are insufficient, but in Jesus Christ, you are totally sufficient. He, he can empower you to do this. So we cry out to God who fulfills his purpose for us. He's the one who can fulfill his purpose for us. And we're going to pray right now and sing, but I, I want you to respond as the Lord's leading you as he's speaking to you because he's speaking to us he's given us his word we know his spirit's here we've asked him to do that but you've got to respond in obedience and I don't know what that point of obedience is for you maybe it's you've got to give your total focus to your relationship with Christ which is on the back burner right now maybe it's that you're not having those talks with your kids you're not reading the Bible just, just read it okay you don't have to preach a sermon Read, just read the Bible to your children and pray. You can do that. You don't have to preach a sermon. Just get started on, on something if, if that's not what's happening in your life. Father, we're grateful for your presence here in your work. We're grateful that you give us everything we need for life and godliness. We thank you for the joy and power of doing something that we can't do on our own. Oh God, we desire our hearts break for our children to know you. Give us the grace to fulfill this ministry that you called us to, to disciple our children. We depend upon you. And I pray as we respond now, you would speak clearly, encouragingly, to us that we can give you glory and honor in our homes in this way. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the joy of this, this job, this calling. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.